after our celebration of Christmas, hence the 12 days of Christmas, it's also the day that the eastern half of the church celebrates Christmas. So perhaps you saw a picture or two from the Ukraine in our church over there as they celebrated their Christmas Eve on January 5th. All that being said, today we see Jesus revealing his glory as he is baptized at the Jordan River. And that really encapsulates the theme of Epiphany, where God reveals his glory bit by bit. Our opening hymn today is hymn number 16, and then we'll continue in the very front portion of your red hymnal on page 38. God bless your worship.
We continue on page 38 in the front part of your red hymnal. Please rise. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve him as his dear children, but we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father in heaven, at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan, you proclaimed him your beloved son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Keep us, who are baptized into Christ, faithful in our calling as your children, and make us heirs with him of everlasting life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated for the reading of God's Word. Our first lesson, as on pages 3 and 4 in your service folder comes from Isaiah chapter 42, the first seven verses. The, the Messiah will be sent as a servant to accomplish God's mission. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I am placing my spirit upon him. He will bring forth the verdict for the nations. He will not cry out. He will not raise his voice. He will not make his voice heard in the street. A bent reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not snuff out. He will faithfully bring forth the verdict. He will not grow dim, and he will not be crushed, 
until he establishes the verdict on the earth. The coastlands will wait for his teaching. This is what the true God says, the Lord, who creates the heavens and stretches them out, who spreads out the earth and everything that comes out of it, who gives breath to the people upon it and life to those who walk on it. And this is what he says, I am the Lord. I am calling you in righteousness. I will grasp your hand and I will guard you. I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people, to be a light for the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring the prisoners out of the dungeon, and to bring those who live in darkness out of prison. This is the word of our God. Our psalm for today is Psalm 45. This can be found in the front part of your red hymnal on page 83.
Our second reading, as printed for you there, comes from Acts chapter 10. The good news is this, peace through Jesus Christ for all. Then Peter began to speak. Now I really am beginning to understand that God does not show favoritism, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. He sent his word to the people of Israel, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, because God was with him. Our theme verse is printed for you there from Mark chapter 1. Alleluia. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Alleluia. Please rise for the reading of our gospel. Our gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized with sinners. Then Jesus came from Galilee to be baptized by John at the Jordan. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now because it is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John let him. After Jesus was baptized, he immediately went up out of the water. Suddenly, the heavens were opened for him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and landing on him, and a voice out of the heavens said, This is my Son, whom I love. I am well pleased with him. This is the Gospel of our Lord Jesus. to you. Christ. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 89.
new fellow redeemed. Today we consider our gospel lesson from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3. And we'll also have the briefest of glimpses at some of the scripture readings assigned for this next week, which we'll talk about a little bit later. The very first chapter of Genesis, the very beginning, at least the beginning for us, because God is without beginning, but the very beginning just has God there not needing anything. He doesn't, doesn't need to create. He doesn't need to complete himself in any way. And yet he does. And the theme you hear again and again throughout chapter 1, and God said, and there was, and it was good. And God said, and it was, and it was good. Until you get to eventually chapter 3, when the people speak and act, and it was not good. And throughout time, from that point forward, God revealed himself in hidden ways, and very, one might even say, incrementally. Not that, not that they didn't know who God was, they certainly did. But they could not bear his full glory. And so God simply gave them a promise to hold on to, that there would be a champion coming. And throughout time, God revealed a little bit more and repeated his promise again and again, all the way to that point where you recognize that the Israelites are there at Mount Sinai, this, this nation of a million, standing before this huge mountain that is, that is shaking and quaking and covered in thick darkness and fire and thunder and lightning and smoke, and the people are quaking in their sandals because it's dark out. And trumpets are blasting, heavenly trumpets, that they can't see and can't hear. Well, <laughs> they can't hear anything else. And the people are there to finally see God as he is. And the people are so afraid to come close to the mountain that they say, Moses, you go talk. And God reminds his people again and again, set up, set up guards so that the people don't come close, don't let anyone touch the mountain, make sure to purify yourselves for a few days beforehand, because I am going to meet you. Terrifying. The people needed the warning because God is holy. But in a sense, they were terrified enough as it was, because they were meeting God. The one who at the very beginning had said, let there be, and there was. The one who at the beginning had come to find Adam and Eve, and he did, and they ran away and hid. That was the God they were coming to meet. Fast forward a couple of thousand years, about 1,400 years, give or take. And the most remarkable words, almost in all of Scripture, are uttered by that man, John, the one baptizing. This is what he says. I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. Because God 
wasn't supposed to look like a man. Because God wasn't supposed to be standing there with sinful humans. Because God wasn't supposed to be the one being baptized. If you were walking to the Jordan River that day to be baptized, to hear John preach, and you have in mind that you want to be cleansed and purified so that you can meet the God of Mount Sinai, the God of the the thunder and lightning and fire and billows of smoke, yes, that's who he is, most certainly. And that's the picture that we all have in our minds, perhaps looking down at the, the dust on our feet as we stand on the bank of the Jordan River of a God who cannot be touched, a God who cannot be approached, a God who simply says the word and the world jumps into action. And then something interesting happens. Something interesting happens. As we stand there, and it's the same baptism that we have today, And John stands there, this line of people stretching back, people coming to be baptized, looking ahead to Jesus, having faith in Jesus, coming to be baptized in faith, and he baptizes them one by one in the name of the true God. And there he stands. Oh boy. Talk about your stomach hitting your shoes. Because John knew, and nobody else noticed. Because John had known that he had come to point to the Lamb of God who would take the way of the sin of the world. Because John had seen what Isaiah writes, as in verses 6 and 7 of our reading today, This servant, this Messiah, speaks, I am the Lord. I am calling you in righteousness. I will grasp your hand. I will guard you. As the Lord says what his servant will do to bring the prisoners out of darkness, to be a light for the nations, to open blind eyes, to do the impossible that God had done at the beginning of creation, but now to do that impossible thing for his people. And the little baby that was celebrated at Christmas the miracle of God coming to be with his people and doing the impossible, that baby is grown and ready to do that impossible. And God just needs to show that. That's the whole point. Because he doesn't look like God. You you, you can walk up to him and, and shake his hand. He says to his followers, come, follow me. And they do. And he needs to to eat and to sleep. He needs to walk. He chooses to, to not know things that God has always known. And the most mind-boggling thing of all is that he goes to be baptized. Because you think of our baptism, when, when we baptize an adult, 
we, we instruct them in the Word of God, and then we baptize them. When we baptize children, we baptize them first, and then we instruct them in the Word of God. It's basically the same baptism that John had, both baptisms based upon faith in the, in the, the Lord made flesh. And there stands Jesus. He doesn't have sins that need to be washed away. He doesn't have a faith, a heart that needs to have faith created. He doesn't have a deficiency in any sort of knowledge or faith or love at all. And yet, he stands in that line. Why? So that you and I would know the author of Scripture. So that you and I would know that this God who is far off and unapproachable at the same time became very approachable. And he didn't walk around this world with, with a hazmat suit and sterile gloves on as though he didn't want to, to have any contact whatsoever with sinful people. No, he came to this world precisely for that fact. And yet he himself remained holy. He came to this world to walk among people whose, whose sins had separated him from them. He came into this world to address the, the sin and death and doubt and worry that every single person had to experience since the beginning of time. Because he has finally come to correct all that. Because he had finally come to crush the serpent's head, and it starts here, or it continues here at the Jordan River. As he is identified with you and with me, so that there is no doubt in your mind, does God really care about me? Can I really approach God? Does God really come to me in his word, in his sacrament? The answer is an unequivocal yes. Your God comes to you. Because he did. <laughs> Your God has come to you. Because he came to carry sin. Yours and mine. Not just the, the, the big things that we think of or the, the things we don't want to think of, but the things that we don't notice about ourselves. The things that we don't like about ourselves. The, the things that that we don't want to mention to anybody else or anybody else to know about us for, for, out of fear that they would think less of us. The things that we, you know, hide from each other. Jesus came and said, I know, and I'm taking it. And as he stands there in the Jordan River, there's no doubt that he can do this. Because the God of Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 and the God of Mount Sinai rips heaven open. And the Holy Spirit descends visibly as a dove. As kind of an, an anointing, that proof that this, this Son of God would be the prophet and priest and king we all need. And God speaks, This is my Son whom I love. I am well pleased with him. The author of scripture speaks again. And because Jesus stood there in the line at the Jordan River, 
And even as John clung to the word of God, contrary to what he saw with his eyes, he knew with his heart that this was the Messiah because that's what God had said. And so he baptizes Jesus. And because Jesus was baptized there, what God says about him also applies to you. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. I am well pleased with him, with her. So kind of tying it all together, you've got a bookmark in your, in your bulletin today. And there's a few extras at the back table. I mentioned this on New Year's Eve, which was <laughs> the last time I was here preaching. And um, on New Year's Eve, I mentioned that starting tomorrow, January 9th, our congregation would like to kind of embark on this journey together to listen to God speak through the whole scope of Scripture. We've got basically a selection, 50 different selections from the Old Testament and from the New Testament. So you get a broad, sweeping overview of what God's Word says and what God is like and who this God is. And that 100 days, basically, 100 different selections, will take us to about the Tuesday after Easter as we walk from, from the beginning, Genesis 1 all the way to the very end, Revelation 21 and 22, the picture of heaven. And we see together our Lord speak. We hear the author of Scripture speak about who he is and what he has done, how he acted in history throughout Genesis, Exodus, Joshua, and the like, how he had promised his Savior there in Isaiah, and how that Savior came in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because, you see, Jesus didn't just stand there in the Jordan riverbank so that you and I would think about it one day, let it pass from the heart and from the mind, and begin to wonder again, what is God like? Jesus stood there and was baptized so that you and I would know. And he gave us his word so that you and I would know this truth and know how to, to apply it to our lives and <laughs> test what pastor says and encourage one another with the truth of God's word. So this, call it a Bible reading journey, <laughs> maybe, maybe that communicates, maybe not. But the idea is that we walk hand in hand with our Savior as he shows us his glory once again. In this season of Epiphany, he reveals his glory piece by piece in, in words and miracles. And in his word, he reveals his glory piece by piece in words and history and reality and application. So, to kind of wrap it all up, think of the baptism of Jesus as an invitation to come and stand with him once again. And to get to know God, the author of scripture. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
I direct your attention to page 5 and page 6 in your service folder. And for our confession of faith today, we will use Luther's explanation of holy baptism from the small catechism as printed for you there. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is water used by God's command and connected with God's word. Which is that word of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What does baptism do for us? Baptism works forgiveness of sins, delivers from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, as the words and promises of God declare. What are these words and promises of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. How can water do such great things? It is certainly not the water that does such things, but God's word which is in and with the water, and faith which trusts this word used with the water. For without God's word, the water is just plain water and not baptism. But with this word, it is baptism. That is, a gracious water of life and a washing of rebirth by the Holy Spirit. Where is this written? St. Paul says in Titus chapter 3, God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. What does baptizing with water mean? Baptism means that the old Adam in us should be drowned by daily contrition and repentance, and that all its evil deeds and desires be put to death. It also means that a new person should daily arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Where is this written? St. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, We are buried with Christ through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You may be seated as we worship the Lord with our offering.
I direct your attention to page 124 in the front part of your red hymnal, where you will find our responsive prayer for the season of Epiphany. Page 124. Please rise. We pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God and Mary's Son, in the fullness of time you came into our world to save us from sin and death. Beloved Son of the Father, revered by the Magi, baptized by John, you came preaching and teaching, healing and comforting, forgiving and encouraging. Prince of Peace, shine like a beacon for us and the people of our world. Let the good news of salvation be heard in the remotest corners of the earth. Open our own lips to speak your name to those around us who still live without faith or hope. Lord of the Church, let your peace rule our hearts that we may use our gifts to serve you and each other in willing gratitude and joy. Watch over our loved ones near and far, that they may remember your love and rejoice in your salvation. Strengthen the faith of the sick and the disheartened. Give hope to those in despair, and comfort those who mourn. We ask you especially to watch over and be with Marlis Detterling as she is hospitalized with pneumonia. Grant healing according to your time frame, and above all, encourage her and Harvey with the truth of your love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Now hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Finally, bring us and all your believers to the heavenly home where we will stand in the full light of your glory and with all your saints and angels sing the everlasting song of triumph. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 390.
please rise for our closing prayer. We join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord God, our Heavenly Father, pour out the Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us strong in your grace and truth. Protect and comfort us in all temptation, and bestow on us your saving peace through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated for our closing hymn number 299. Good morning once again. Special welcome to you all.
There are two, well, one brief amendment. Um, I didn't fully update the calendar, so Wednesday there's no midweek Bible class or evangelism meeting. And next Sunday is not Christ the King Sunday, but um, Epiphany 2. And the rest of the bulletin is just a little bit more information about um, these you know, next 100 days that we're hopefully going to work through together. Um, a little bit of a filler from Christian Life Resources there. And then a word about Epiphany. Um, so a little bit more reading material than normal, perhaps, but all of it worthwhile. Um, God bless your week. <laughs>